Welcome to the Set Yourself Free podcast, real stories of ending emotional abuse and taking your life back. I'm your host, Carrie Veach, owner of Set Yourself Free. I am a life and success coach that believes we all have limitless potential within us with the right tools and support. Trauma or past hurt might be a part of your story, but it does not have to be the entire story. We all have different versions of what freedom means, and I'm here to help you unlock your perfect version of how to set yourself free. Join us for season three, where we follow five extremely brave women who share their stories of what it took to get to the other side of trauma and abuse. Through listening to their stories, you will know that you are not alone, that shame can only grow in secret, and that it absolutely does get better on the other side. By hearing their stories, you will gain insight and tools for ways that you can access your own power and do the work to set yourself free. All of the magic you need is waiting deep inside of you, and these women are here to help you tap into it. Let's dive in. How did you love yourself in the midst of huge doubts and question marks? Belinda. The first thing that I did when I got out of it was start to rebuild. So I started to reach out to, I did lose some friends, definitely lost some friends along the way, started to reach out to uh, like my parents and kind of, kind of got back. I mean, they, they never, they never didn't love me, but they were just so tired. Mm -hmm. Um, Started reaching out to friends and just saying, Hey, you want to go to lunch? didn't talk about it because they didn't want to hear it. Like I was very conscientious of, man, I, I've got to come back to myself. I have to be the person that was fun in the first place and also realize everyone isn't good for me. And, you know, that was a poison and whatever happened between the two of us did not work on all the levels and I started to forgive myself when I realized, had I not learned that lesson, I don't know where I'd be today. I'd rather have learned it then, because obviously I was someone who had to learn it that way. I don't yeah. think anybody should have to, but that happens to be my path. Yep. And if I didn't get that out of the way, God only knows what where I'd be now. That mm. will not happen. If, I, if someone drops a dish towel and they yell at me, oh, Jesus better take that wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I am not having it. But yeah, if I wouldn't have gone through what I went through, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I look back at my younger self and and that former self with a lot of compassion. I just didn't know. And I was doing Mm. the best I could with what I had. And it's okay to stumble and it's okay to mess up. And it's it's okay. And it's okay to lose friends along the way. It's a big, Mm -hmm. long life. And we're we're going to have people in different seasons. All of it's okay. You know, no hard feelings to the friends who couldn't take it. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I don't yeah. have any fault with that. Um, but the one thing that you have to do is come back and go, I am worth it. And if you have to say that to yourself a hundred times a day, a thousand times a day, a million times a day, I am worth it. I'm worth saving. I'm worth love. I am worth having a good and healthy life. Yes. Well, I love that because just the way you spoke about it, it's it's so true. And it also speaks to your mindset, obviously now, but of uh, of just the compassion and the the kindness towards yourself that 
I learned these lessons. It obviously was not the path that I would choose for anyone else, but I have to look at myself and go, huh, she didn't know and that's okay. And it's just the same way we would look at a child learning any lessons. And the more we can integrate that into our lives with everything along the way, like, oh, it just gets so much easier and better because we're not beating ourselves up and being mad along the path. We're just like, okay, there's some lessons. How do we love ourselves? It's all going to be okay. Yeah. Like it's like that self-talk when, when I was in the middle of that, self-talk would, was like, I actually made notes. I can't even find them. Um, like the self-talk was like, you are so stupid. Like, mm. why didn't you think, why didn't you anticipate that that would make him mad? If you wouldn't have done that, if you would have thought of that yesterday, he wouldn't be screaming at you right now. What is wrong with you? What was, everything came back to what was wrong with me. Yeah. So the more I asked myself what was wrong with me, I could find all kinds of things that were wrong with me. But now that it's like, when you switch it, and go, what is right with me? Yeah. What is right with me? Okay. Um, it was a freaking dish towel. Let it go. You know, I mean, what yeah. I, I was, I didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that people screamed and went on like that. It, I, I'd only seen that on TV, <laughs> you know? Okay. I was, I mean, my compassionate self was really there. Turns out she was a bit of a doormat at um, at the time, but now she's not. <laughs> that was the doormat stage. And I own that, you know, I mean, then that's okay. I'm, I am so not that anymore. So one good thing that did come out of all of that is, I mean, I love my life. I mm. love my life. And I would, again, I would not be here without having gone through that. It's totally possible to go through it and have an amazing life on the other side. Like, don't you agree? hundred percent, hundred percent. And I mean, I talk to so many women that test, you know, can attest to that. Like, it's just true for anyone who is willing to do the work to get to the other side. And, and there is no shame in doing the work. Like there is no shame in going, oh yeah, that was, that was not my proudest moment. Like who cares? Yeah. We are not going to nail everything. We, every mm-hmm. landing that we have on, in this path, we are not going to nail it. So it, it's, it's just what, but what we can do. And I think what we're doing with this is opening a conversation because when I was going through it, I didn't know anybody else who had been through it. Yes. I had nobody. No one talked about it. It was nothing but shame. And yep. even then, if I would have gotten hit, that would have been a whole other set of like concrete things that like, I'm from West Virginia. I don't know how my dad would have reacted. Um, <laughs> it was bad yeah. as it was. So, but I just didn't know. I had no idea that other women who were really interesting, very smart, very successful, had these stories. So in talking about it, this is how we break that cycle. It's like you yep. keep people silent. You keep keep it dark and no one looks there. Well, we're just like shining the light. Look, we're we're amazing women. We are doing incredible things. This happened and we're fine. Yes. So I, I am 100% on board for anybody going through anything like this to just stand in the truth of their power. Mm. You can totally do it and break free 100%. 
Mm, thank you for that. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to have to help me off my soapbox here in a minute. <laughs> to help me down. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to share with us today? No, I feel like I've been very, very motivational. <laughs> <laughs> You've been very good. Jess. Um, it just, I, I fully realized one day that that was not the life I, I wanted to live. I didn't want to be stuck in bed, uh, terrified and anxious all the time. I didn't want to be scared to leave my house all of the time. Um, I, I just, I tried to, I don't know. I tried to remember all of the, the things that I could offer um, hmm. the things that I had learned, you know, throughout my, my education, where I wanted to take my life. I, I always have wanted to be somebody who wants to help other people. And this trauma, this abuse, all this like took, almost took that away from me for a time. It made me very angry. Um, hmm. it made me into someone who I wasn't. And so I really, really just wanted to be who I was again. Um, like you mentioned before, um, the resiliency factor, like I drew a lot of strength from, um, my, my grandmother's life in Austria. She, you know, grew up during world war one and saw a lot of awful, awful things like, um, ended up living in the forest for a year. And like me thinking about all of these things and her struggle to survive just to have her family, and then, you know, be a descendant of that family. It was like, well, like, why, why would I let her go through all of that just to have me either cut my life short or live a terrible life of reacting to terrible things that happened to me? Um, mm. She wasn't able to fully heal from that. And so she was never, you know, a very happy person. And I just, I didn't want to live that life. I wanted to focus on what I wanted to bring to the world, what I wanted to be able to offer and contribute to the world. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and so I kind of saw it as a way of like healing a bit of generational trauma as well and, and family trauma. Mm. Like I have a brother who um, aside from the childhood abuse that I experienced had experienced all of the other traumas with my family um, that had gone on like the neglect and all of that kind of stuff. And so if I could be a good example and, and heal myself and do the counseling and the therapy and get to a good place in my life, then I could give him some hope to be able to do that same thing as well. Um, hmm. Another really big thing as well, when I was doing this uh, healing journey was focusing on uh, the child that I was when all of this happened and hmm. just being extremely grateful for her and to her. For doing, you know, the things that she had to do to survive and to get to a stage where, you know, I could grow up and potentially have a future and take control over what was going on for me in my life. Well, and I think that that is often talked about, right, in terms of like inner child work and however people talk about it, if they're familiar with that or not. And yet it's so the work to bring us healing and being able to 
both give yourself the things that you needed when you didn't get them and also just having that loving compassion that you're talking about um, in those places, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that was really huge for me because as you know, like childhood abuse, a lot of shame and guilt and things like that come along Mm -hmm. with it. And so um, realizing that, you know, I did the best at the time that I could with what I had as a small child, like it started when I was five years old. And if you, you know, can even remember back to being five years old, you don't have very many uh, tools at the time to kind of protect yourself and and save yourself from things. So just being able to, uh, you know, even dissociate at the time was kind of a gift to myself that I could block that out and still have, you know, a bit of normal childhood <laughs> yeah like, you know having friends and and fun experiences and things like that all the while like this stuff was going on um it is you know I am I am thankful to that child for doing everything that she had to to get to where I was and and that inner child work was one of the biggest pieces of healing that I ever did and even just how you described it right now is still the work as adults, right? To have our inner dialogue and conversation with ourselves be one of I'm doing the best that I can and loving yourself in the midst of the tools and information you have at the time versus beating ourselves up. Absolutely. Yeah. When my clients um, start to talk about regrets or decisions they wish mm. they never made or directions they wish they never went. I, you know, that's one of my favorite lines is you do the best that you can at the time with what you have, whether that's information, resources, energy, whatever it is that you have at the time, you're making the best decision. You don't make a decision and say, you know, this is the worst decision. I'm going to go with this one. Like, (laughs) you, you try to do the best all the time. And sometimes, you know, you're confused. Sometimes you need a bit more information. Sometimes, you know, you need more sleep or (laughs) energy or support or whatever it might be. Exactly. And I think the more we can love ourselves in the midst of all of that, you know, the more we have, well, I know the more we have to bring to this world, because it all has to start as internal for ourselves. Definitely, definitely. Everyone talks about um, self-care and things nowadays. And um, I'm a big believer that the first proponent of self-care is self-responsibility and taking control and Mm -hmm. responsibility for your life and your actions. And you know, once you realize that you are the only one controlling yourself, it, it gives you a sense of freedom, you know, like you've never known, but it also gives you that sense of responsibility to, to do the best you can at the time, to get all the information that you can at the time, to always try to go in the, the direction that you think. And if that direction changes, so be it. Like be patient with yourself. Exactly. And really building up those self-trust muscles, I think. And knowing that you can't mess it up. Like every decision you make is the right decision and you're going to learn the lessons you need to learn. And as we're able to do that, it's just so empowering to know that you can't, like you're speaking of, you you are the one that's in charge of your life, no one else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's uh, one of my favorite quotes is... Um, the bird sitting on the branch is never scared of the branch breaking because the trust is in its own wings, not the branch mm. itself, right? So it's if you are able to change the course of your life and take a different direction, um, then you can always do that again. And so like you're saying, any decision that you make is the right decision because it's going to lead you to another decision. You're like, your entire life is full of decisions. And so 
Um, you know, unless you're looking at like the one I was thinking about where it's, where it's taking your own life, that is kind of the only final decision that you can ever make. And so, you know, mm-hmm. keep changing your mind, keep going in different directions and see where it takes you and learn what you can. Yes, absolutely. And it's such a beautiful gift that we get to share that with people because it's so contrary to what the world wants to teach you and what the world wants to say, right? It is like second guess every decision. You're always doing it wrong. <laughs> you do it this way. This is the way. And um, like I know that that is your message for women. That's my message for women of really diving into what your your superpower is, your gift is, and how do you trust yourself to show up in the world that way? Absolutely. And just like trying new things because you don't know what you're good at unless you try it. And so if you only stick with things that you're comfortable with, you're never really going to grow any other skills or abilities. And so growing up, like try whatever you have an opportunity to try, do whatever you have an opportunity to do. And you know if you enjoy it, even if you're not good at it, if you enjoy it, keep doing it. Like not everyone who dances has to be a professional dancer. Not everyone who does art has to, you know, be a professional painter. Just do the things that you love and, you know, see where your gifts take you. Yes. And I think it's so interesting what just came up for me when you said that is like so much of the the ego wants to assign value to things, right? Like it's good, it's better, this is bad. And yet if we just played with things more from the standpoint of, doing what we want or desire. I think that there's just so much beauty in that for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we see a lot of judgment out in the world with Mm. people and, you know, like, oh, that girl's wearing too much makeup or, you know, her clothes are too tight or, you know, that guy's wearing a weird outfit or carrying around, you know, a a boom box from the nineties. It's just like, let people enjoy what they enjoy. Why do we have to, you know, inflict you know judgment on every single person we see and every single thing they do if they're not affecting someone negatively then let people do what they want to express themselves how they want to Mm, absolutely (laughs) couldn't agree more yeah sorry I was just gonna say I find like once you're able to get to that point as well where you are more patient with people more accepting with people it it translates to yourself as well it it permeates how you see yourself and what you think about yourself too if you're able to be patient with others and it will grow your patience within yourself that was actually going to be part of my question in terms of (laughs) in terms of do you feel like there was a tipping point or a turning point where you were able to do that yeah, I realized that, you know, the the anger that I was holding on to was um, because of being taken advantage in a very vulnerable place in my life um, by someone I was supposed to be able to trust. And I think that that is kind of the, um, the worst thing that can happen to someone is just being taken advantage by someone that you thought you could trust, especially in a vulnerable state. Um, whether you're a child, whether you have a mental illness or physical illness, you know, uh, whether you're an adult in in any situation, if someone is supposed to care about you and they take advantage of you, that Mm -hmm. is just cruelty. Um, And so the anger that was stemming from that mixed with the guilt and the shame of not being able to ask for help sooner or while it was happening um, Mm -hmm. just blew up into this huge you know, judgment about every single person and every single thing they were doing. It was a lot of mistrust 
with the world and the people in it. Because when people are the thing that hurt you, it's very hard to trust people. And as a woman, um, having a female abuser made it very difficult for me to connect with other females. And so there's always um, that judgment, like, what does this person want from me when they're you know, trying to be nice to me? What does this person want? What are they trying to get? What are they trying to, to fool me with? What are they trying to get over my head? Like um, all of this, this judgment and questions. And then, and then I think subconsciously, it's just easier to be angry. Mm. It's just easier to push people away as opposed to um, engage with these judgments of what they're going to do to you and how they're going to hurt you and how they're going to do that so that you don't let them. And so um, when I got to the point of being able to, uh, understand that not everybody is out to get you. Unfortunately, you know, there are people that do take advantage of others, but it's not everybody. Mm-hmm. And it was um, going through this healing process, doing the therapy. I was part of a wonderful um, group therapy. And I think for people with uh, complex PTSD, as well as PTSD, doing group therapy is an incredible tool Um, just because it allows you to connect with others who have had similar experiences and have had um, similar developmental issues with, you know, um, society and trust and anger and guilt and shame. And it just, it, it allowed me to see that a lot of other people are hurting as well. Hmm. And so as much as that is very unfortunate that other people have pain and things like that. Not everybody is the monster. A lot of people are victims as well. And so by me judging them, I'm just making my own situation worse, their situation worse. And so why not give people an opportunity before judging them, before uh, trying to assess whether or not they're out to get you? So beautifully said and such the work of, you know, learning those skills because it's true. You know, we, we always find what we're looking for is something I believe. And so if we're, if we're looking for people that are going to be harmful and, and this obviously doesn't apply as when you're in a victim state as a child, like not saying, you know, any of that is ever our fault, but I think that, I think that so often we're looking, it's like that Brene Brown quote where she says like, stop looking for reasons that you don't belong. And I'm butchering it, but it's like when you're looking to not belong places, you're going to find that. Or if you're looking to judge people, you will find that. But if you're looking for the good in people, you'll find that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I had a lot of, of issues with, um, Everyone likes to describe it a bit differently, but I've, I've read a bit about empathy. And so empathy to me is, it can be absolutely wonderful, wonderful, sorry. Um, but it can also be very destructive depending on the balance that you have with it. I feel like a lot of people who have had childhood trauma, um, they describe themselves as empathic when in reality, it's because they had to tune themselves into everybody else so much in order to protect themselves, mm. in order to survive and save themselves. And so you grow up and you continue to do this because to you, it saved you. To you, it has helped you in the past. And it can become dysfunctional when that's all you're tuning into and you're tuning out your own needs, you're tuning mm. out your own um, and desires and wants and things like that. And of course it can be helpful, helpful when you're there to support people, empower people, when you're there to help somebody in a bad situation. But if that's all you're doing, you're kind of disregarding the, the survival that you've put in to be where you're at. 
you're not just here to help other people. You're also here to be happy and live a life that you love. And if helping other people can be a part of it, that's phenomenal. But your one priority is, you know, taking responsibility for yourself, your care, your needs. And then if you still have space to help guide and empower others, then do that. Like it took me a long time um, before I was able to actually help people. And that was because I needed to continue to heal and, and keep going with my struggle so that now I'm at a point where I'm stable, where I'm happy, where I'm like healthy, uh, I'm safe. And, and I can do it from a place of love and passion and care and not from a place where other people are filling holes for me. Mm, yes, I could not agree more. Mm. So good. Um, so anything else you'd like to share with us at this point, Jess? Um, just that if anybody is listening who, who hasn't you know, received help for the things that they have been through um, or have dealt with, please reach out to somebody if you're, especially if you're feeling unstable. Um, it is scary. It is terrifying, but it's even scarier to live one more day in a state where you're simply just reacting to something bad that's happened to you. You deserve help. You deserve support. You deserve care. Um, and if you don't feel like your trauma is quote unquote bad enough, if it feels like trauma to you, it's trauma. Mm. And so you deserve the help and support that everyone else does. Mm, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> Renee. Look, this was one of the hardest things for me. Self-compassion, self-care, self-forgiveness. Mm. I really had not a hard time forgiving my abusers and when I was writing my book, I really had to break it down. And I think there was over 65 or 70 abusers in my life. Mm. Um, so there was quite a few. And there was no real, um, I, I never went through a revenge phase. I never, I never went through, oh, I hate you phase. I, I would disassociate. And as soon as the event was over, that was, that was gone, finished. And I didn't dwell on it. I absorbed the pain and the trauma of that. But I never went over the actual event. And mm. I know now that that was just a way that my brain protected and, and survived. So for me, it was very much um, <laughs> when these ladies were explaining to me that you are valued and worthy, oh, my gosh, it was like um, it, it was almost like and they could see it on my face. It was like I instantly repelled that. <laughs> I was like, oh, and they were like, oh, what happened there? And I was like, what do you mean? And they said, oh, your whole physical presentation changed. And that's when I realised I really had so much deep self-loathing still mm. within me that I really needed to deal with. Um, I had spent many, many years not being able to look in the mirror, mm. hated my reflection. Um, and there was nothing good in my mind. There was no positive internal dialogue. So until I realised that that had to change. So when I get up in the morning and go, oh, you're fat, you're stupid, you're ugly, it was like, no, stop doing that. So all of a sudden, again, it was just this new practice, this new behaviour I had to, to start uh, adopting. So for me, it was positive affirmations was a big part of that, was as soon as my brain would go to that place and I would start beating myself up and feeling shamed, I would go, well, no, 
because I didn't have all the answers. It was new. It was early days, but I knew it wasn't good. I knew it wasn't helpful. So I would just go, okay, stop. No, don't, don't think about that. And then, of course, you've got to put something good in, right? Yeah, yeah. So as I was learning it, it may have been something as simple as going and picking up my baby, taking her for a walk, uh, because I didn't have all that, those good words to say about myself yet. I hadn't found them. Mm-hmm. So I went to what I did have, which was time with my daughter. She made me laugh or doing something that I enjoyed. So I started exercising, taking her for a walk every day, started sleeping better and getting a routine, not just for the baby, but for me. Started getting more sleep than I'd had before and just being quite strategic and um, careful and mindful, I think, about how I spent my time. You know, if you're looking after a baby and sleep's important, well, then Renee sleep's important to you. <laughs> and so it, was, it was, yeah, duh. <laughs> so it was really just accommodating quite practical steps at the outset. And again, like I said, learning to be with me was really difficult. So I started doing a lot of. Uh, personal development, reading a lot of books. I'd always been an avid reader, but it used to be fiction as an escape from my life. Sure. Enid Blight was like one of my heroes. She got me through some of the hardest years of my life with her stories. But all of a sudden I started reading biographies, people that had been resilient, that had gotten through adversity. Mm. And those were the books that I started to feed myself with. So rather than negative stuff that had floated around in my mind for so long I started pouring in healthy things I even started changing what I listened to the music I'm a mad heavy metal fan and I'm all good with that now (laughs) I've come back around and I'm cool with that now but what I realized was that it really was tapping into that angry part of myself Mm. and I used that as an outlet yeah so At that point in time, if I put that type of music on, it was like, oh, it wasn't fitting with what I was trying to achieve in my life. So I even changed everything I listened to. Mm. I listened to much more calming music. Um, I I really did just start to change everything in my environment, Mm. Um, just little little tweaks, but they had massive, massive results. I think that's so important for people to hear because I also see, especially in the digital age, and I mean, obviously you're speaking to before, but now more than ever, I see so many people give away their power consistently of, you know, well, I saw this or this is negative or this is happening on social media or whatever it is. And it's like, no, no, let's take your power back. You get to choose what you consume uh-huh. and you are not a slave to this thing that actually is a really great tool if you used appropriately, right? Like there's exactly. options. <laughs> exactly. And, and for people that have been through trauma and particularly people that have been controlled and manipulated and had that choice and power removed, we don't realize just simple things like, you know what, if you don't like what's on the TV, turn it off. Yes. It was so conditioned to become, um, to, to believe that our environment happens to us. Now, yes. some parts do, but a lot of it doesn't. Yes. And I started, it was like, honestly, I felt like an alien once I started to realise how dysfunctional my life had been. And it was quite hard at the beginning because it was another moment of there's something wrong with you. This is, you yeah. should not feel this way. And thank goodness, once I started doing personal development and reading books and researching trauma, and I went to uni later to get to, you know, immerse myself in that further. But at that point, that's when I started learning, no, this is actually what happens. This is normal. 
everything's okay. You're doing exactly what your body was created to do. You're actually so normal. It's not funny. And I was like, mm. okay. And that's when the I say the jigsaw pieces started to come together to give me a clearer image of really what had been going on and that my behaviours, as negative and illogical as they appeared to be for me, were actually, you know, very common byproducts of what I'd been through. So it was normalising those things, not accepting as good, but going, okay, I understand that now. And, again, that was another layer of power Mm. because knowledge is power when we know how to implement what we're learning. So I was like, whoa, okay, so if I change that, that may be the result. Well, let's give that a shot, shall we? And that's when I started to actually get excited and play around with things and see what worked and didn't work. Well, and that speaks to a whole level of self-love and of accepting that, right? Of of going, okay, so I, I'm here. I don't really know exactly how to do this, but I, I'm okay in this and I'm just doing my best and I'm showing up and trusting, you know, whatever the process is and really mm. learning how to have compassion for yourself in that. Oh yeah. And that that's such a big one. You know, that that's a major module in my programs with my ladies. And soon as we get that to that point, they know it's coming, they're like, oh, you see them squirming in their chairs because we're also quite conditioned to feel selfish about taking care of ourselves. Yep. And I developed quite a people-pleasing, perfectionistic type behaviour when I entered the workforce and I, I uh, was in senior roles for, for quite a long time throughout Australia and overseas and I would start climbing the ladder and all of a sudden realise I had all this responsibility and I was getting paid all this money to do really big, important things, but I felt like an imposter. Every day I was waiting for someone to tap me on the shoulder and go, oi, get out of here. You don't deserve to be here. So Mm -hmm. I still had this, like you said, self-doubt, still working on the confidence, still wearing that mask sometimes, the old fake it till you make it. And um, that's when I started going, okay, Renee, you you default behaviour, you're still going back to that place of thinking that you're not good enough. Take, like you said, take your power back, girl. This Mm -hmm. is yours. You have total control right now what you choose to believe about yourself and this situation. So what are you going to choose to believe? And that was really powerful. Yeah, and it continues to be, right? I mean, that's always the choice that we have. Yeah, and and what a beautiful choice, you know, to be able to go, whoa, actually I can choose, wow. (laughs) Those first few moments when I was choosing, you know, somebody would ask me something and I'd go, well, I don't know, and they'd go, well, what do you want to? And and originally I was like, I don't know, and I actually didn't know Mm. because I didn't know who I was. So as I became stronger in my sense of self, I was like, oh, no, I actually don't like that type of thing or I actually really love doing that now. You know, I started to develop my own passions and things Mm -hmm. that motivated me and and, um, inspired me and energised me. And um, when when the choice came up and they're like, no, no, there's no right or wrong, I was like, oh, that that was a key part. Mm -hmm. As soon as someone said something, and it was just an offhand comment, Sure. There's no right or wrong, Renee. Just just choose what you'd like to do. I was like, oh, there's no right or wrong. Okay. <laughs> so I lived in fear of always, but what if I get this wrong? Yes. Does that make me stupid again that I've made another mistake? I failed again. Yes. So it wasn't about that. I was like, oh, my gosh. So we're, we're just so hard on ourselves. Yep. There's so much pressure on ourselves to do all these amazing things. 
when it really is just baby steps. But it all starts with believing you're worthy enough of those baby steps. Absolutely. Mm, So well said. (laughs) Heather. Um, I found out last year. (laughs) I, uh, I always knew I loved myself, but I didn't love myself. Um, like I said, I lived for everybody else. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know I had a voice. And on my 29th birthday, December 22nd of 2018, I said, I'm going into 30 the way I want to go into 30. I'm done. I'm going to, it's my self-love and discovery year. I'm going to learn about myself and whatever's not available is going to be gone. Holy crap was last year the most transformational, hardest, (laughs) deep, intense. Things came out of the word work that I never saw coming. (laughs) And I learned that I'm strong. Mm. Keep going. It was not easy. I wanted to quit. I didn't. I honestly can tell you up until a couple weeks ago, I didn't genuinely know what it meant to love myself. Mm. And it was a week before my 30th birthday. And I laughed and I said, all right, universe, I see what you did this year. I see what you did. Cause on my 30th birthday, it felt like everything shifted mm. everything. And I've been a month in now and I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm steamrolling. Let's go. But last year I needed that. I needed to fall in love with myself. Mm. And now I'm still falling in love with myself and it's doing little things like taking the bath and or I take myself out to eat and people make fun of me. I want food. I can eat, right? I can sit at a restaurant. (laughs) And getting more in touch with journaling and getting more in touch with these things that everybody always says. And I was like, that sounds stupid. That sounds cliche. Mm. But it's it's not the fact of the journaling. It's it's the building the intimacy in yourself or myself. And it's building the commitment that, hey, you're worth this. Hey, you deserve this. Hey, my relationship, I've been in a relationship for five and a half years. And this year took a toll, a huge toll because I woke up and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. We're not going to play these rules. I'm not going to, and I feel bad for him. (laughs) I pulled the rug right out under him. (laughs) (laughs) But I just woke up and I said, this doesn't work anymore. And I'm allowed to change that. I'm allowed to, it's been a rocky year all around and I still loved myself and I love myself even more now. (laughs) I love that. And it's so evident in how you talk and carry yourself and speak about these things. And the way I look at it is like, we can get through the journey of being so hard on ourselves and beat ourselves up and hell, I have been that person for so long. But I feel like once I finally understood and shifted that of how it ultimately was just hurting myself, like no no one else is, you know, suffering in that process of me beating myself up to wherever it is that we think we're going, like this final destination, which there is no end destination, right? Like it's life and it's a journey. And so we might as well figure out how to be kinder, how to be softer. We do it for everyone else. 
you know? And that's the part where it's finally just like, oh, if we can really, really hone in on that and implement that, everyone is going to benefit. I, the one thing that I've been learning is the masculine and feminine polarities. Mm. And I have been in my wounded masculine protecting myself for so long. I don't know how to be feminine. Mm. I have never known how to be feminine. And it's not feminine as in, in my head, it's not, okay, throw a skirt on, do your nails and be, it's, it's that softness. It's that Mm -hmm. love for myself, that deep power. And it is power. And a lot of people take that away from women Mm -hmm. because being powerful doesn't mean you're degrading a man. Doesn't mean you're degrading another woman. Doesn't mean any of that or however you look at it. It's everyone has those two. It's like a yin and yang. Everyone has it. Yeah. When you're too much one way, it, it shows. If you're too much the other way, it shows. When you can balance the two, it, it's like a homeostasis. It's, it's just flowing. And to learn how to be more feminine has been my biggest project right now. You're allowed to be a strong, strong woman and still be soft. Hmm. You're allowed to know when you need to be that masculine protective, and it's not a, a male female thing. It's an energy thing. It's we we have no control over energy. Energy is energy. It's just like the moon and the water. Everyone, it cracks me up when everybody says the moon doesn't affect. We're made of so much water. The moon affects us. <laughs> <laughs> it's. And that's, that's, it's just learning that it's okay to be feminine and what that means for you and, and learning how to be masculine and what that means to you and melding the two is something that I find beautiful to me because it, when you can equal those out, Mm -hmm. you're invincible. You truly are invincible because nothing is going to hurt you that you don't let hurt you. Yeah. And there's nothing you can't do. Mm. Yeah. So beautifully said. And I think it is so much of the work for especially strong women, right? Like, because that protector mode, that masculine energy is just naturally what comes out of being in a traumatic situation. And it's also not shaming yourself for being in that energy, for being in that space, because you needed your defenses. Like, I, I understood it on some level, but I also joke that I really didn't get it. But like, so I have my master's in counseling. And so when I was in school years ago, it was always like, your defensives have served you. Like, thank them, be appreciative of them. Like, that was so much of what we learned as we were kind of going through our own stories. And now I really see that in such a gift way of like, this is true. And we, we always are doing the best with the information we have. And so how do we lean into that and go, this masculine energy is really great when you are in like a fight or flight situation and you need to protect yourself from whatever is going on. Like it's a gift. Yeah. It's, it's something that I don't think is discussed as much because not a lot of people may understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's very explained in the protecting of you of 
And the more trauma and abuse you have, the thicker your armor is, the thicker your Mm. protective thing is. Mm. And that's when, when, and where I help my clients go, okay, that did you so much love that. But now it's time to take that off because you can protect yourself now. Your heart can do all the protecting it needs. Yep. Now it's time to to take that off and go, okay, I'm so thankful for this, no matter what it was. Um, there's, I can't think of her name at the moment, but I love her Oracle deck and it's Rising Goddess. Her name's Heather, but I can't remember her last name. And one of the parts in it is there are must-takes, not mistakes. You had to go through this to get you to where you are now. Yep. And that has stuck with me so much because I've looked back and go, why does this happen to me? Why does like, I, no joke, one thing after another was happening and it was getting worse and worse. And now I'm sitting here going, I, I know why. As, <laughs> as cruddy as it was, I know why this stuff had to happen. And that's the point when a woman goes, nothing can stop me. Mm. Yes. Exactly. Because it's not that there's never going to be shit. There's always going to be shit. Always. It's just who are you in the process. And now you have the tools and skills to deal with it in a way that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anything else you want to share with us today? Um, just that if you're listening to any of these stories and anything resonates with you, you're meant to hear it. You're meant to to be listening to this right now. I'm going to get emotional. Um, because I believe that things are put in your path for a reason. And you may not be ready for it at that moment. But it was put in your path so you know it's possible. Mm. And I never thought it was possible. I thought I'd be dead by now. Mm. And I don't know where my fight comes from. And one day I hope to thank it. But there's women in this to be there with you. So, mm, thank you, Heather. So beautiful. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. So what I what actually when I work with my clients, I my background is health education, and I have a you know undergrad in psychology. So what I really come to help people with is the different areas of health. So there's four pillars of health, right? There's the social health, the physical health, the mental, emotional, and the spiritual health. And all parts of those. Now I had been trained since I was young. My dad was really good at at teaching me like go to the gym, exercise. That was always something that was really important to me. So that was, I was really good at coping skills. You know, I think I stayed, I was able to stay so long too, because I just, I was really good at dealing with shit. Yeah. (laughs) the levels were way too high. You know, now my levels are like way lower, but at the time it was like, I had these like really high bullshit levels that I could deal with. And so that part was pretty good, but what I needed to find was just more connection in other places. So my emotional health needed to be worked on my social health. Um, and you know, that the men- social mental, the physical was good. The spiritual was starting, was lacking. And I had gone to church every single week as a child. I was part of the bell choir, the regular choir, the this, the that, the everything. You know, I was part of all these different things, but I never really felt connected. And the the good positive thing about the guy who ghosted me was that he actually reintroduced me to my spiritual self. And that's like the great lesson that I got from him during that process was 
just rediscovering who I was in connection to something greater than myself. And since then, I really have this, I just feel so connected to, you know, the universe, as I would call it. And, you know, just we are how connected all of us are and how important it is that if I'm happy, I can help, you know, you, if you're happy and, and vice versa, like we are all so connected and it's also important for us. If I can help lift you up, that helps lift me up, mm-hmm. you know? And so all of those great things. So looking at it from those four different angles and when I work with clients, there's normally pieces of each that are missing, you know, some are com- missing completely, but some of them are, you know, missing little pieces of it. So they're starting to get it, but they haven't really focused on it. I mean, and I didn't really know who I was or what I wanted. My, I didn't know what my passions were. I didn't know what really made me tick because I had been in relationships for so long. I was so good at trying to take care of the other person. I was not good at taking care of myself. And that's where I find a lot of women get stuck into and pulled into taking care of everybody else, putting everybody's needs before their own and zero self-care. I yep. was great at that. Zero self-care. Yeah. Well, because unfortunately, so many of us are raised to believe that that is the model. Yep. Women take care of everybody and you put yourself last. And if you try to put yourself first, then you're selfish. It's we've been trained, right? Exactly. And yet, as we all know, right, and the work I'm sure you do with clients that I do, that so many of us now do is the whole oxygen analogy. I mean, it's just there for a reason because Mm -hmm. it's true. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm actually taking some women to Costa Rica in February on a a woman's retreat, which I'm so excited about. Um, We're going to be doing like basically going through the process that I take, you know, my coaching clients through, but we're doing it in a week and I'm actually doing it with them. So we're going to do like yoga in the morning, meditation. It's going to be, you know, all like healthy diet and, and pushing through comfort zones and all those really great things. But I mean, there has been people that have said, you know, I don't have money for that because I'm putting money towards this and the money towards this is something for their, their child or something, you know, there's some other reason why they're not putting the money towards themselves. And I, you know, I get it. I'm a mom. I get it. It's difficult to, to juggle all of those things, but I can't wait to go. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old and I can't wait to go and just go hang out and and not be mom for a week. You know, you've got to give yourself that chance to have a break and relax and recharge. I'm going to come back a way better mom than when I left. <laughs> just just the way it's going to be. Right. Exactly. And I think that, I mean, that's hopefully the lesson that I think is now a little bit more pronounced in the world, or at least mm-hmm. maybe it's more the circles that we're in, in terms of self-development and, you know, all of the empowerment tools that I hear so many people talking about now, which to me is exciting because it has to start with yourself. You have to pour into yourself first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a woman that signed up. I, my, I had a program that just started today. And, you know, she said to me before she signed up, she's like, you know, it's just so frustrating that they get to do whatever they want and we have to pay money to work on ourselves. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the best gifts that I've ever had was working on myself, was not putting any of the attention on the other person. And that's what even like when I work with clients, I barely talk about the other person. Like, yep. let's not talk about if they're a narcissist or a sociopath or a borderline personality or whatever. Yes, all of those things. And I could, I could give you information about that, but that's not the focus. The focus is on you and your healing and why you allowed that person to keep you pulled in. I mean, my ex, I could think of all the things that he was not officially diagnosed with, but I'm pretty sure I know what was wrong with him. But he had said to me at one point, he told me I was codependent and I'd never heard that word before. 
Mm-hmm. And so I remember when I went to therapy and then the therapist said I was codependent. I was like, what the hell? That's what my, my ex-husband said. And I thought, wow, I stayed because I'm codependent, because mm-hmm. I was putting everybody else's needs before my own. And I had zero boundaries. I mean, I, I didn't know what a boundary was until I was 34. Like, oh, you could say something and expect someone to follow. And if they don't, there's a consequence of maybe not spending time with them anymore or, you know, whatever, whatever you decide the consequence to be. I didn't know. I, I really literally had no idea you could do that. It was just give, just give, give, give until there was nothing left. Yeah. And to look at it through that lens, right, of it's on you to mm-hmm. discover these things. And I think when you're trapped in this like almost victim mentality, it feels like, how dare she say that to me? How could yes. that possibly be true? Yeah. And then the work begins of understanding that like everything is available to every single person. And it's not always fun. It's really uncomfortable work to break down that programming. Yeah. And that's, and that's what it is. It's that, that victim. I mean, when, when I was told from my ex and my therapist that I was codependent, I, I got angry because mm-hmm. it made it, it made it seem like they were putting the blame on myself. And I thought, well, but I didn't do this. I wasn't the one who was abusive. I didn't do those things. Why do I have to have a label as something wrong with me? Like I'm just here trying to live my life. And when I started to look into it, I was like, wow, I was set up so perfectly for it growing up. You know, my mom mm-hmm. has some kind of undiagnosed mental illness. She would never go to the, the doctor for it. And she's has gotten worse as she's gotten older because she's never got any help. And my dad was more the codependent one. So, you know, that, that dynamic just set me up for, okay, well, you don't talk about anything. We try to cover it up. Nobody apologizes. There yep. are no boundaries for children, you know, and you become an adult at some point. So you need to learn boundaries somewhere. <laughs> but those were, all, those were all things that I learned growing up that it just never, I'd never been able to mature out of because there was a part missing of my self-esteem. So when you get out of that victim mentality, you say, okay, I, I didn't cause him to be abusive towards me, but if I was healthy, as soon as I saw those behaviors happening, I would have run out the door, yep. you know? And nowadays I would, like my husband now is like, he's like, I can't even, he's like, the way I know you, I couldn't imagine you dealing with anybody else, treat like cursing at you. I mean, cunt, cut, cunt, bitch, and whore were words I heard every other day. Mm-hmm. If my husband ever said that to me, he knows I'd be out the door. He never would because that's just not the type of man that I married. But there's just certain things that are, they're crossing the line that I would never accept anymore that had become normal for me beforehand because I didn't know that I had the power to say no. Yeah. And now you get to empower other women with these tools, which is, you know, to me and same for me, it's like the biggest gift that has come out of all the struggle, all the just mess, right? Is Mm -hmm. that gift of giving that to other people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love it. I have, I have clients right now that this is their third time working with me and I'm just, I love watching those moments, those aha moments where they're like, they're frustrated or they're, you know, they're pushing through. And yet, and I say all the time, you got to break through the wall. You know, it's like ripping off a bandaid. You can't slowly do it. You got to rip it off all the way, feel the pain and do it anyway. You know, it's that, and, and I, I use the analogy the other day is that, you know, a lot of times when we're in this unhealthy relationship, we're, we're like pretty much taking our body and just banging it against the wall. 
but mm-hmm. we bang it, we go back, we bang it, we go back. So we do this back and forth and we're like, oh, why am I bruised up? Like, oh, my, my body hurts. I don't feel good. I'm sick all the time. I don't know what's wrong with me. But the, the cool thing about healing when you have the right support is that you bang up against the wall, but when you feel it uncomfortable, instead of running back, you just keep pushing, pushing, pushing till all of a sudden you're through it. And then you're like, well, that, that hurt, but now I don't have to do it anymore. Now it's over, you know? And I think it's that, it's that getting through to the other side that is just such a beautiful experience to get to be witness of and to be able to help pull them through when they don't feel like they can do it and be that light in the darkness. It's so cool. Like, it's just really so cool that I get to do that because I get to be the person that I needed when I was going through it. Yes. Mm, love that. Yeah. Any, anything else you want to share with us today? Well, um, one of the cool things, so one of the bonuses about finding the right partner and really knowing what I was looking for is that um, my husband, David, is a Reiki master teacher, mm. and he's also something called a Psyche-K practitioner. And, and Psyche-K, most people don't know what it is, but it's a high-speed mindset change. Mm. So it's really cool because you know we can do affirmations all day long, and I'm, I'm big into affirmations. Those are all great. But what he does that's just so brilliant is that he actually can help you reprogram the subconscious beliefs, the I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not enough. He can help you reprogram them to make them more positive. So where automatically, normally you'd go toward the negative, what they call it a balance. Once you do a balance, he helps figure out what what needs to be fixed. And then because he asks all good questions, he helps figure it out. Once they do the balance, your brain automatically goes to the more positive one. So it we now actually, this is our first time working really as a team together with our new clients, but to just watch the, the, like, it's just like steps up, you know, these huge mm. incremental steps up to see that and to have that partnership. Like, you know, I just remember my ex saying to me, you know, people don't, don't really get along that great. That's all just, you think that relationships are for lollipops and rainbows and, and they're not, he's like, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. And not only do I get to see how not true that is, but I also get to work with my husband who does this inspiring, amazing work and gets, to, we're on the same page. We're all about, we're both all about helping people really live at their highest level and, and shine their brightest light for others. So it's just, it's great to have that best friend. I would say he's my best friend that I get to have sex with. I mean, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> what better is that? <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. This topic is something that I could talk on all day long because loving yourself and trusting yourself in the midst of trauma, in the midst of questions, in the midst of life happening, quite frankly, can feel really messy and really hard and challenging. And that's okay. And what I know to be true is that the more we allow the messiness of life to simply just be and for it to be okay and to not judge it, the more expansive and loving and beautiful and free we get to be. And this is the work that I want everyone to know. And it's letting go of the judgment of ourself, letting go of wrong and right and good and bad and all the ways that our ego wants to split things. 
And if instead we can lean into love and just taking care of ourselves with the best information and tools and resources that we have at the time and letting that be okay, it is such a beautiful gift. So I hope that you took that away from this week's episode, that you were able to listen to these stories and find yourself in the midst of them to know that everyone struggles, everyone has doubts, everyone has question marks. No person alive is exempt from that. And yet the gift and the joy of life is when we're letting that be okay and we're letting our humanness and our broken and our vulnerability be a beautiful thing instead of something that is wrong with us because there is absolutely nothing wrong with you. Absolutely nothing. So I hope you take that away from these five stories this week. I hope that you lean into what loving yourself looks like and maybe do some journaling around ways you can care for yourself better, ways you have been beating yourself up and ways you're going to let that go and instead choose kindness and choose self-care and choose to lead with grace. So that's my encouragement for you this week. Thank you so, so much for being here. I truly cannot thank you enough. It is such a gift and honor to have you listening and to have this podcast in your ears. So thank you. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Set Yourself Free podcast. I am incredibly grateful that you are here supporting me and these brave guests. If you can do me a favor and take one minute to share this episode with someone that needs to hear it, I would be so grateful. And if you are willing, please go leave us a review. Each month, I will be choosing a reviewer to give a free coaching session to as a thank you for listening. One thing I know for certain is that we will forever be as sick as our secrets. Shame has no ability to grow when we share our stories in safe spaces. I'm more encouraged than you could possibly know by those that are willing to speak up, ask for help, and share with us that we are not alone. So don't forget, head on over to my website at setyourselffreellc.com, grab your free journal, and book a free 30-minute call with me to talk about the number one mindset block stopping you from the money and impact you desire to have, and one thing that you can do this week to shift it. Thanks again for being here, and we will see you next week.